0: your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore.
1: Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up.
0: That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories dot com slash just dot com slash just Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder,
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like COVID romances in a more open world, mm. establishing boundaries with future in-laws, and emerging from quarantine as a single person. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, and we clearly are not very professional podcasters either. No,
0: no. And to adding to our general lack of qualifications, we're adding some alcohol. So absolutely.
1: (laughs) Cheers. Here we go.
0: Happy three-year anniversary. Mm, I know. Um, Somebody in Facebook said, I want to know what they got themselves, what leather gifts they got themselves. (laughs) We didn't get any leather leather gifts, unfortunately, but we um, went shopping.
1: Yeah, we bought ourselves a lot of other things, so.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, three years.
1: I know, wild.
0: First of all, I cannot believe, wait, we're not, we're we're all Lord of Swords. (laughs) We're not professionals. Please take this advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings, so if we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing thing experience that is love. <laughs> I'm going to giggle this whole show because we're in the same room.
1: No, this is weird. For the
0: first time in over a year. I also was just tripping thinking about the fact that we've done the podcast for 30 years, which means we've been friends for like 13 Years?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we met when I was 21, 20, and I'm 33 now. Is that how old I <laughs> am?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, third, third anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, three years of unprofessional, unqualified love and life advice. And so, uh, in honor of all of that, y'all, we want to do a check in topic um, that is like self reflective and topical yeah and so we're going to check in about um the bad uh advice oh wait spencer (laughs) in the recording of this edit it all out or edit this small part of it (laughs) because i this is this is what i want to say um so, not only is this our three year anniversary live show, um, before we get into our check on topic, um, this is our 150th episode, y'all. Like, I cannot believe that this timed out that way. That's wild. 150 episodes. Our
1: sesquicentennial.
0: Centennial. <laughs> You've been <even> holding on <laughs> to that word, <laughs> waiting to say it.
1: Oh, I just love it so much.
0: I grew up next to the Susquehanna River. Oh, fun. Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> I'm super excited. <laughs>
0: But I mean, 150 episodes, I feel so uh, lucky to do this with you mm-hmm. and lucky to do this with Spencer. And with all of you, you just break up community you mean more to me and to Sam and I and Spencer than you could possibly know.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and so, yeah, we're so happy to be here in the same room.
1: I know, this is crazy. This is great. This whole setup makes me feel like I'm in an episode of like Black Mirror. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to say that you you were a daytime talk show host.
1: Oh, I wish.
0: I know. You'd be so good at it. (laughs)
1: Honestly, I was. So Chris Harrison recently was forced out of The Bachelor, and it was my dream to replace him as host of The Bachelor. You
0: would be so good because you'd be like, so tell me the drama. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't get famous enough to to make that happen by the time he retired. All right,
0: y'all. All All right, JBU Nation. You know what your job is. (laughs) Um, Okay, so. Out of sorts, but check-in topic for day. we're going to um, reflect on some of like maybe some unsound or bad relationship advice that we used to believe
1: mm-hmm. in
0: honor of our three-year anniversary, in honor of time passing and growing and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Do you want to go
1: first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, so I... Didn't hear this advice, like, told to me. I more learned it from um, the Internal relationships life. of oh. yeah, people around me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is that you have to do everything together. Oh, yeah. Like, the strength of your relationship is, like, how much time you spend wow. together. Wow. Because, like, you know, growing up, my parents spent all of their time together. Like, they had the same friends. And, like, they they rarely went off and, like, did their own thing. So, like, that's how I I learned about what relationships look like. Is that, like oh, you just spend a lot of time with them. And when I did that in my you know first relationships, it didn't go well because <laughs> yeah, it was like, you. <laughs> it, well, it didn't. And it also didn't go well for my partner yeah, who was like, yeah. do we have to go to bed at the same time? Like, I don't understand why this is happening. And it's like, wow. I don't know, because this is all I know is that we just like do everything together.
0: It's so real that that wasn't a lesson you were explicitly told because mm-hmm. I think I assumed that as well mm-hmm. and there was also an untold unlearning of it of like oh well i i guess i could just go to bed now because right. i'm tired and you're not absolutely and it's <laughs> like know? i kind of
1: actually don't want to hang out with your friends but <laughs> th- i feel like i have to so <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no that's a good one um my first one is that actually it might be the first piece of direct ad- relationship av- advice i ever got okay when i was a teenager in like in a relationship with my High school sweetheart, and my sister said, Sorry, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she said, if it's not, you know, I always believe if it's not right, it's not right. Mm. And at the time it was like really clarifying because I was like, it doesn't feel right. I think I want to break up. And I kind of like lived by that advice and like told it to many people and was like, you know what, Sam, it's, if it's not right, it's not right. You should Mm -hmm. break up with that person. Not Mm -hmm. really knowing the context and nuance of things and why I think that's not necessarily like sound advice or like I don't know, maybe I wouldn't say it on the podcast now (laughs) is because, um, I didn't know about avoidant attachments. I didn't know about, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that discomfort was a teacher, you Mm -hmm. know, that like if something is not right, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or if it doesn't feel right, I should say. Um, but I used to swear by that advice. I think I like definitely said it on one of like our first episodes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I mean, on paper, it, it, like, makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, and it's probably also really powerful to teach young people For sure. to trust their intuition. Especially not... young women, yes, too. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I I honestly, it helped me when she said it, and I love and respect my sister. Because you broke
1: up with an asshole that you were dating?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, he was very sweet and deeply in love with me. Oh, no. Still, I shouldn't say this because he's engaged now.
1: <laughs> Well, I'll cut that out of the main episode, no, but don't it's too leave late it. now. It's his own
0: fault. <laughs> Nothing happened. He just needs to get his emotions in order before he marries someone. Okay. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you want to know the story? I'll tell you later.
1: Yeah, when we go get tacos after this, you are telling me the story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope no one listens to this episode. Um, okay, so hello, live stream. <laughs> um, uh, okay, second one.
1: My second one is don't go to bed angry. Oh,
0: yeah. So many people still believe that. Maybe I, I do, too. But, like, I've definitely gotten to sleep angry and then woke up and been like, oh, I'm not angry anymore. Oh, my God,
1: absolutely. Isn't that the truth? Like, seriously, I've been in you just so need, many like, fights. You
0: need a good REM to, like, realize you're being a dramatic idiot. Oh,
1: absolutely. Where it's just like, oh, in the light of day, this is actually not a huge deal anymore. Yeah, And it's totally. like And I think that it, it encourages us to do to like focus on the conflict resolution over the conflict itself, right? Like that if is we have so to real. resolve it now before we go to bed, then like are we actually addressing any of the deeper underlying issues that well, might be happening? Well, and as we
0: know, some compa- some conflicts are unresolvable mm-hmm. because they are literally just um, mismatching realities, you right. know? Yep. Like you're just never going to see the it's the same way. It's not
1: Absolutely.
0: like um It's not like a conflict, like you cheated on me. It's like a, you know, little bickering and things like that.
1: Absolutely. I think like better advice would be to be like, breathe into empathy before you go to bed. Like something that's less of like, we have to make things right and more of like, how can you sort of check yourself to be like, this isn't going to be resolved right now. And so, like, let's just go to bed and, yeah. and wake up in the morning with, like, maybe a different perspective of what I'm feeling and what my partner's feeling.
0: Well, and now that I'm settling into my first year of marriage. Oh, my God. Hmm. Congratulations. Singo. Um, uh, thinking about long-term relationships, too, like that if I'm in this relationship for the long haul, small little grievances, mm-hmm. you sometimes you— you go to bed angry, <laughs> like oh, absolutely, uh, maybe right? like go to bed annoyed, <laughs> you know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, or for something sure. like that. And I used to, th- I used to think that everything had to be a conversation mm-hmm. or everything. We had to be on the same page about everything. And that's just right. like not a r- part of reality.
1: Absolutely. Like if I go to bed and the bed's not made and I'm annoyed by it, like it's not important for me to be like, well, I'm angry. So now I have to address this before I go to bed. Right. It's more yes. like, no, I'm just going to go to sleep. And then in the morning. We can talk about this as like
0: maybe this is adults. a whole other check-in topic. Is how do you manage or carry angry anger or grievances that are not deal breakers? Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. because because that's maybe that's my my second piece of advice is that like true love feels or like maybe not advice but like an idea about dating, but that like love feels good all the time. Right. So then then we learn that anger or anything on the spectrum of a quote-unquote negative emotion isn't a good thing. Right, But that's not true. Like, of course I'm going to get annoyed with my wife. Oh, absolutely. I'm a human. She's a human, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that is a really—how do we move through the world honoring our feelings while also learning how to hold— Feelings that are maybe negative, you
1: know, no, and I think it's like without
0: letting them spill over onto people unnecessarily, obviously. Right. Yeah.
1: But I think it's like recognizing the scale of of like annoyances or grievances. Mm -hmm. Right. Like like you're never going to find a person who is going to want to cohabitate in exactly the way that you want them to right and that's okay right and so what are the things that are of a scale that they need to be addressed and changed and what are things where it's like well i am intentionally cohabitating with this person who is like their own person and so if i want it done this way then i'm gonna have to do it myself because that's not the way that they would do it and the way that they do it isn't necessarily a bad way of doing it
0: that is so smart um my Final one is just the idea that like people should fight for you,
1: Mm. and that
0: like the idea that fighting is um, equates passion and desire. Mm -hmm. You know, not just like lust desire, not lust desire, but the the desire to be with you. Right. Like I thought, um, you know, back when I was younger and didn't have as many emotional tools. (laughs) You know, I think I would. I think naturally, like children do, like we all do, until we learn a better way.
1: Right. I would and act, adults too.
0: Yes, that's what I'm saying. Until we <laughs> until we get different tools. Yeah. I would act out to especially to satiate my anxiousness. Right. You mm-hmm. know, I would I would act out to get the affirmation yep. of their want and love for me. You know what I mean? I don't, I can't think of a specific example, and honestly, I probably wouldn't want to share it. <laughs> talking about you know a decade ago but like you know that kind of call and response that you sort of see in popular culture on rom-coms that like if you're if you get up and if you slam the door they should follow you that sort of Mm -hmm. thing and if they don't then they don't care right but that's like the most toxic bullshit i think i've ever heard now as like a away from that mindset you know Mm -hmm. that like not only is it toxic to 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 amplify my unhealthy behaviors to get attention—that
1: true, yep, I like. that. <laughs> but it that. <laughs> also doesn't.
0: It also doesn't make space for an avoidant person. It doesn't make space for somebody who has conflict trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like it. It's just not healthy. It's just not like a healthy.
1: And it doesn't make space for different types of conflict style either, right? Yes. Like it's like you know, if you want to if you handle conflict by like sort of getting small and sort of wanting to take a step away from things that doesn't then mean you somebody, don't love your partner right absolutely and if somebody's coming at you and being like we have to fight we have to i have to fight for you it's like okay i don't want that though i want to handle this conflict in a different way please yes totally and i think that advice also like leads to just like stalking too right? Yes. Like,
0: <laughs> yes yes this person broke up with me And now I'm going to fight for them. So I'm going to show up at their apartment in the middle of the night. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that is so that that fighting or that fighting for equates passion when it's really just really it can be so often unhealthy. Let me just say that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (sighs) The great unlearning of everything.
1: (laughs) I know. It's just so wild how how much bad dating advice there is out there.
0: (laughs) Well, I think about it like. Again and again, I'm reminded that um, we're not given manuals to do this. Mm. You know, like, it's not like we're born and somebody hands us like a huge three ring binder that's like how to be a human in relationship with other people. Um, it's no, we, I wish I know, right? That would and, be so helpful. <laughs> and there's bad advice out there because of you know gender norms because of c- cultural. Uh, his, histo- history, there's bad advice out there because of rom coms. There's a million reasons why, right? But it's it, it to me, it comes down to the fact that we're all just like flailing <laughs> and trying to figure it out, and like trying to find cues and trying to find meaning um, in everything when when we're kind of. um When a lot of things don't make sense. Absolutely. No,
1: and I think that that impulse to want to make hard and fast rules, too, is like us trying to exert control over like a really uncontrollable world where like no two relationships actually look the same. That is such
0: a great thing to say right now on our 150th episode because I've often thought like, you know, you and I just do our best to like answer our le- the letters as like holistically and nuanced as possible. But like some advice, one you know, one advice to one letter might not apply to anybody <laughs> right. else in the world or, or, you know, like it's so nuanced and complicated. And I think, I guess, to summarize, we're just grateful to be on this chaotic journey with all of you. Absolutely. Figuring out as we go along. Are you ready to get into the first letter of our 150th episode every time I say that number I feel like I am in the Hunger Games or like you you know Effie like the 150th episode
1: may the odds be ever in your favor (laughs) yes
0: lovers yes head and heart workers may the odds (laughs) ever be in your fucking dating favor
1: (laughs) honestly all right
0: it is like the Hunger Games out there
1: (laughs) it is for real all right so our first letter comes from Miranda who is writing from Chicago baby Miranda writes, hi, love the show and have felt reassured by listening to other people's problems that I haven't experienced. So I'm hoping that this one also touches a nerve and soothes someone. Mm -hmm. Where to start? I'm a 32-year-old woman who owns my own company and works a lot. I always say that doesn't mean I have a lot of time for dating to explain why I never date. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think I could make time since I have time for family and friends if dating didn't completely terrify me. But it does terrify me. So, so far, dating and falling in love has mostly been on my to-do list, the same as buying a new lamp for my kitchen. (laughs) It's something I assume I'll get around to eventually. I've been to therapy and I'm working on vulnerability, but I'm still rusty at it, which is part of my problem here. Q 2020. Suddenly, all of my work was canceled last March, and I had no work and loads of time to just sit on the couch and have long conversations over text with strangers, since I was already spending all day reading the news and talking to my friends on my phone. I am a hopeless romantic and impulsively got back on Twitter in May of 2020, hoping to miraculously meet someone and have an amazing whirlwind romance with a man or a woman in my city so that we could meet once things calmed down. But when the romantic miracle I wanted happened, it was a man I met through a mutual friend on Twitter, who lives nine hours away, not quite the Chicago lover I was hoping for. I don't know how to explain it, but regardless of the distance, the connection and banter was fairly instant, first as friends texting all day long, distracting each other from the bad news all over the world, then opening up and being vulnerable about our own histories and admitting that we looked at each other's photos all the time and really hoped to make out someday. I pulled out all my therapy tools. I communicated, I set boundaries that he respected, all that good stuff. I don't know what it was, but I thought I was finally being healthy in a relationship and he would make me smile so much. I wrote him long love letters and sent cute selfies and he wrote me songs and sent me a big box of presents that were all inside jokes. I broke a lot of my own never again rules to fall for the sky, but none of the rules seemed that important in quarantine, you know. Friends who lived in the same city were basically long distance. So what was nine hours when I couldn't even go to a bar in my own city? In 2020, or in July of 2020, after two months of near constant communication, he drove to visit me and we got an Airbnb for the 18 hours that he could stay. I was nervous that we wouldn't connect in real life, but after the initial awkwardness, it was the best date I've ever had. We literally talked until sunrise. My hopeless, romantic heart was hooked. We left. He left and promised to see me soon, but then coming back in August became coming back in October, then became coming back after we're vaccinated. So I haven't seen him since that first date in July. It is June now, and it will have been almost a year since we last saw each other. Mm-hmm. We still text and talk every day and send selfies and call each other baby and bae and have our inside jokes, but with the world opening up, I'm not sure what the next step is or even if I should expect anything from him at this point. I've been vaccinated since April and he just got his shot and I just bought a car, so the chances of us hanging out again are higher than ever, but neither of us seems to want to make the first move to actually make plans now that business is picking back up for both of us. So one of the reasons I fell for him and him for me is that we both work really hard and have big goals and ambitions in our careers and that we both love our families. But now that work is happening again, it is more obvious than ever how entrenched we both are in our own cities and families and how impossible long distance will be in normal life as opposed to COVID life. (laughs) I know the goal of long distance is for one of or the other of us to move, but it seems like a lot of pressure to put on a relationship that has barely gotten off the ground in terms of actual physical time together, literally less than 24 hours. My friends keep asking when we're going to see each other again or if he'll move here, and it's frankly embarrassing to keep going, I don't know, we're both really busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would say Excellent. that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He's starting to feel like my Canadian girlfriend who totally exists, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I know I should flat out ask him what the hell is going on and if we are ever really going to hang out again so that we can get on the same page and make plans. But like I said, work is busy and for me. And frankly, if I stop talking to him, I'm afraid I still won't have time to fall in love with anyone else now that I'm back in real life and not quarantine life. I'm afraid I'm never going to see him again. I'm afraid all my friends all think he's made up or that I'm pathetic. He lives with his ex. Are you okay with that? Is a big question that I get. I'm afraid I'm wasting my time. I'm afraid of seeming crazy. I'm afraid that if we stop talking, I'll have no one to talk to. And yes, I am sometimes afraid that his ex-wife is skinnier than me and he secretly likes her better, even though he reassures me during my monthly body breakdown that this is not the case. I'm the number one hottie and he hasn't touched her since pre-breakup. I can't tell which fears are rational and which fears are irrational. I want to keep talking to him and loving him and flirting and sending presents and love letters, but I also want to know that there is something growing here or that it could be something more concrete with real plans soon in a way that 2020 didn't necessarily allow me to think about until now. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just wondering how to proceed with this thing that has gotten me through the last year as I proceed into the next year. How does something that worked during the weird year that was 2020 work now? How do we become normal? Is it possible? How do I deal with feeling judged by my friends who are in, quote, normal relationships, who get to see each other all the time when mine feels like it's still on wobbly giraffe legs trying to figure out what it is after over a year? (laughs) Help. Thanks for reading. Love you both.
0: Oh, Miranda, thank you so much for writing and for listening to our podcast. Um, Yeah. I feel like this—maybe not the exact um, scenario of this, of like a long-distance relationship that has only been in person for 17 hours. That might not be a very universal um, (laughs) (laughs) experience, but I do feel like people have experienced a ton of coming out of COVID, let's call it, Mm -hmm. um, revelations, anxieties, fears. You know, we're going to talk more about that later, but um, I feel like— this is an appropriate reckoning, I feel mm-hmm. like. There's a lot of transitions happening. We we just went through like a wild year, y'all. Seriously, <laughs> A wild, like, we did that. Like, that's who, we, we survived that.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, and, and, we, and to be clear, it's also like still happening in yes, places too, right? And we,
0: and we are and were inherently changed by it. And oh, so now we have to figure out who we are now.
1: Absolutely. And I think at the beginning of this pandemic, one of the things that we talked about was that like this pandemic is gonna change relationships, and right? Boy did it. <laughs> right, absolutely. And it's going to it's gonna end some relationships, right? It's because people are not able to see each other or they move in too quickly and things fall apart. It's gonna make some relationships stronger because people are gonna spend more time to what are you what are you mouthing to Spencer? <laughs> sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. The champagne is so good, oh. and, I'm, and I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it so fast that I was just like, I went and reached for it, and then I go, nope, nope. Slow it down, Demolder. Slow it down, Demolder. I'm sorry.
1: This being in person thing Woo. is is not working. I like it better when I just. Uh- just no, assume no, that you're yeah, bait yeah. waiting on my... you can stare my... at yourself
0: in the fucking Zoom <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have to pay attention to what you're doing.
0: It wouldn't be a thing if Spencer didn't catch me going, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. It's very good, though, Spencer. It is.
1: It's great. Thank uh, you for getting it. Okay.
0: Maybe I'll get some more after the second letter.
1: Absolutely. yourself. Okay. <laughs> so as I was saying... I'm
0: really sorry. You were saying <laughs> something so accurate and intelligent and articulate. <laughs>
1: Entirely my fault. <laughs> 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 so yeah so some relationships are gonna be strengthened because of it because yes. like people like we're, they're gonna have to spend more time change, together good right? or bad absolutely like, I feel I feel much more connected to Peter than I did before mm, the pandemic because wow. we just had to be around each other more like totally. I know what his I know more about what his job is like like mm. it, I have more context around that like I've seen him in places and in um, emotions that I didn't necessarily see him before like so that's great. And also for you, Miranda, COVID started probably some relationships, too. Yes. Where now we have to figure out, like, is this a sustainable thing? So like you yes. said, even though this isn't necessarily a universal experience, it's. You're in it's, good company. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's like a lot going on here in all sorts of relationships that we're trying to figure out as we move into a different way of being yes. and a different way of existing.
0: Yes, and that is not to say for people out there who are like, "Oh my god, my relationship started in COVID. What does that mean?" That it, it, your your COVID relationship, mm-hmm. let's call it, it was not a relationship of convenience, sure, per se. Yep, right. Um, it just happened because um, it was ushered along because of certain circumstances. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's it, it doesn't, like in Miranda's case, Miranda, it doesn't lessen the quality or value or inherent worthiness of your relationship. Your relationship right. is worthy, right? You are worthy of a happy, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you got together in such a strange circumstance doesn't lessen the value of it.
1: Absolutely. And I also think that people, you know, who maybe moved in together really quickly because of COVID and have spent a lot of time together too, are also going to have to face this reality of like, what does it look like when we're able to go hang out with our two separate groups of friends? Yeah, oh so real, <laughs> right? Like, are we going to do it together? Are we going to do it separately? Like, what are the rules? Like, the rules are changing drastically right now, right? And and I want to acknowledge that because I don't want people to feel like they're not they're they're ill-equipped to be able to handle this like we're all ill-equipped to handle this right now like like none of us have done this before
0: (laughs) yes um yes and that being said Mm -hmm. covid COVID um lens removed for a moment. Yep. I want to talk about this relationship as though it is a long distance relationship mm-hmm. that is not getting its needs met, like any other long distance relationship that's not getting its needs met. Even though I know that it's such a unique circumstance that brought you guys together and like maybe had prevented you from getting your needs met, mm-hmm. right? That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um but if with with that lens removed, I wanna say one, Miranda, like I said before, not only is your relationship valuable and worthy, but your needs, um, all of your concerns, are valid and just, and need to take up space mm-hmm. in this relationship. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's time. Absolutely. Right? Yep. E- even even if we were still in pre. Like vaccine, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Even if traveling was harder, even if, if even if health and safety was um, at a higher risk, you know right. what I mean. Yep. I'm not. Tar- I'm not. I don't think that people should like risk their lives for love. But what? I, but I <laughs>
1: That's know relationship advice that was probably not good for us to <laughs> yes, hear totally. as children too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, Jack could have fit on that fucking door. Oh my
1: god, he so could have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I'm saying is. I know I know I know couples who are long distance who quarantined, you know during the height of everything mm-hmm. who quarantined for two weeks and then went and saw each other at an Airbnb or somebody you know like went yep. to a safe place to see to spend time with it they 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 made it work yep humans are are wildly resilient and clever and creative Mm -hmm. and it is time Miranda it is time for your relationship to take up more space in your life and that is a two-way street you say yourself that you are you know you love to work and that you feel like you could make more time for love like you you would confess that to us right (laughs) so what does that look like in action in your life Mm -hmm. I want to say lovingly and as somebody who has done this, who has been like, I'm in a relationship because I call someone baby, <laughs> it's really easy to call somebody baby. It is. It's really easy to, I know that like shipping costs are, can get expensive, mm-hmm. but like support the UPS, I mean US, US, UP, USPS, there, there you we go. go. Yep. <laughs> support the post office. Um, but like that is baseline effort. And now we need more. Absolutely. Right? It's very valid that you want more.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think so. And I, I know that you struggle with vulnerability, right? Because you told us that as well. And it's easier to be vulnerable with someone when you are sort of distance, when there's like a safety that you are. When you
0: can look at yourself in Zoom.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. And it's easy to be vulnerable with someone who you have a very wonderful, romantic 18 hours together, mm-hmm. right? Where you are both. Initially awkward, but then on your best behavior because this was your first date, right? Right. It is much more challenging to be vulnerable in ways that ask us to make sacrifices of ourselves or ask other people to sacrifice for us. And so – I'm really proud of you for doing this with this man. Right. The fact that you've shown this vulnerability, the fact that you have challenged yourself to find someone and to really engage and tell them about the deepest, darkest parts of you and trust them. And all of the stuff that it sounds like you've been working on, you've been talking to a therapist about, like, that's amazing. And now comes the next step of that right, which is to dive deeper into what does it actually mean now that we've exited this safe space that we had where I didn't have to ask for too much because it was kind of impossible for us to do it, mm-hmm. to actually moving into like, okay, I've done these steps and now I'm going to take the next one, which is asking for what I need, which is to see each other more often or to, <laughs> got it? Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Good. <laughs> or to figure out like what what the next iteration of this relationship looks like outside of this little covid bubble that you had created for right. each other and that's right. i don't want to i don't want to say that that's easy right like i don't want to be like just do it it, yeah. it is hard it is really hard to learn the practices of asking for what you need from right. a relationship, and even just knowing what you want too. Right. When you're someone who hasn't been in relationships a lot, or and somebody
0: like, who who loves to prioritize work and loves their city, ex- you know absolutely. what I mean? Like there, it's not a clear path of you like moving there. Or, you know what I mean? For
1: sure, absolutely. So like even figuring out what you want from this relationship, I can understand would be really challenging. Right. And that's the work in front of you.
0: That's the work in front of you. New t shirt. Oh my god, <laughs> love it. Um yeah and actually I mean I jumping off of that really beautifully um Miranda I hear your desires in this letter and your uncertainties um and I and I want you I want to empower you um to to write down your needs I want to know where what are your needs and also where are they in this relationship mm. um where are they manifesting what are you how is this person making space for you mm. in his life? Mm-hmm. Where are you in his life? And, and how do you want to show up? I mean, make a list. Like, who is your partner? Who do you, who, is, who is your dream partner? You know? And how—I mm, take that back. What do you need from a partner? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. <laughs> what do you need from a partner? And what are you not getting from this person? Because you're right. You are at a precipice. It, you're going to go from one world into another, and what it your, your relationship has to move there or get left behind. Absolutely. The TLDR of this whole letter isn't just break up. It's yep. have a conversation. Absolutely. Put it on the table. Be honest with your needs and your desires, and be hopeful, be open, be vulnerable, be ready to accept and give love, but also be ready to say, I want more.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: We, this this and and here's one more thing is that people people who might be in those covid relationships who are like finding that they no longer fit in their in their new life mm-hmm. right or mm-hmm. like or maybe who pe- people who get broken up with and after we got a ton of letters of people who were like i got um stranded with my roommate and then we became romantic and now and now they're not anymore and i feel you know yeah those covid inspired situations <laughs> you know right. i just want to say that that means that is not that does not define your 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 worth, your value, your lovability. Mm. Um, they didn't. If this doesn't work, Miranda, if this doesn't move into your next phase of your life, like Sam di- said, you did so good. Mm-hmm. You, you put your you put your heart out there. And the best thing we can do is tell people what we need and see if they can meet us where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, then there's the answer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And if if this doesn't if this relationship doesn't move into this new normal that we're part of, it doesn't mean that it wasn't worth it. It doesn't mean that it was a bad relationship. Doesn't mean that you made a mistake in participating in it. It just means that it was a product of its circumstance, Right. right? We talk about this all the time. Relationships are products of timing and circumstance. And and the circumstances are changing now in the same way that circumstances change around. So many relationships, so much of the time, and this is a big one for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. This isn't like, oh, we got a new dog, right? Like this is like suddenly we are leaving a global pandemic, but that's what relationships have to do. They have to either adapt to new sets of circumstances that are in front of them, or we have to figure out ways to leave them behind and find different relationships that fit our timing and circumstance now.
0: One more thing, your friends we cannot compare relationships because you might think that they have the more normal of the relationships, but like the, them living in the same cities is, is one of the only common denominators. It is one of the, you know, they, there are every relationship is unique to themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so maybe, you know, your friend, your two couple friends, they both live in the same city, but one of them is monogamous and the other one has an open relationship and the, and the similarities stop there. So, Um, I guess what I want to ask of you is to not contribute to the stigma about long-distance relationships, not to Mm -hmm. contribute to the shame of not having a relationship that looks like other relationships. There's nothing wrong with that, Um, and I understand why you feel that anxiety, but – I would encourage you to, like, build a well of confidence in you that, like, my life doesn't need to look like other people's lives. Right. My life doesn't, you know, like, yeah, my relationship is fine. It may not look like yours, but...
1: For sure. Absolutely. And I, I guess that that's calling me out, too, because, like, if you want this relationship to be totally long distance in the way that it currently is, that's also fine. Totally. <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing wrong Been with there. your relationship if you don't actually see each other and you only communicate remotely, right? <gasps> If that's the type, if that is the relationship <laughs> that you want, yes. right? And so if it is the relationship you want, great, go with it. But if it's not, then then you need to have that conversation. Yes. But don't let your friends shame you if what you want is just somebody to FaceTime with and talk to and sext and while you're busy with work, while you're focusing on things that are more important to you than having an in-person relationship. Like, that's fine yeah. if it's what you want.
0: yeah. I also want to know why he's still living with his ex-wife.
1: Yeah, we're not going to.
0: Okay. All right. Miranda, have an honest and open conversation. Lean into the vulnerability. Honor your desires. You deserve to take up space. It's time. It's time for this relationship to move and change into this next chapter.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing.
0: to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict avoiding person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: in the house
1: get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com/just break for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com/just break
0: all right this next letter comes to us from family boundaries who is writing to us from the void. Hi, I have been in a relationship with my partner, he, him, for nearly four years. We met on Tinder, and it turned into a beautiful relationship. We now live together, have pets together, and it seems like we're heading towards marriage slash long-term commitment in that sense. Tinder success story. Yay. Wow. As my relationship with my partner progresses, I found myself becoming doubtful that this is the relationship that I want. Feels like it was like a hairpin turning Yeah, no, honestly. Seriously. (laughs) I You str- uh, meant my tender heart. Like, yeah. just, ah, It's just getting torn pulled all what over the place. What is
1: this, M-Night Shyamalan? <laughs> Get it because of the twists? I got it.
0: <laughs> He's dead. <laughs>
1: just- <laughs> He's a ghost. <laughs> He's Patrick Swayze.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I'm just trying to think of all of his other movies, and I'm just failing. <laughs> it's like they live in the woods, and there's like civilization right there. Uh-huh. Yep. And it, it's not very good. <laughs> okay. Um, here we go. I struggle with anxiety, so it's often frustrating to try to discern what is reality and what is a product of years of anxious thinking and habits, but I think that there's some truth in my concerns here. My biggest concern is his family. My partner comes from a large family who are all super close. This is fantastic in some ways, as I don't come from a close family whatsoever and have dealt with a significant amount of familial trauma around my parents' divorce. However, while lovely people, I often find them intrusive. My partner spends a significant amount of time with his family every week at their request. And now I do, too, by proxy as we live together. Everything is collective. Our pets are also their pets. Our home is also their home, etc. They invite themselves over, have a lot of influence on our decisions, uh, on the decisions he makes about his own life. His mother and siblings are highly protective of him. To the point where his mom has said pointed things as a, quote, joke to me about how I'm taking him away from them, how he's not spending as much time with them, etc. Clearly, this is uncomfortable for me. Mm. I have been able to deal so far, I am in school, and I am able to keep myself busy away from that family system. I often worry though about what will happen when slash if we try to plan a wedding, have kids, move away from them. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that my partner and I will not be able to live our full lives together as a couple and as individuals due to his family. Mm -hmm. I worry that my own boundaries will be crossed more and more as our relationship progresses more seriously. As I'm an avoidant person, I am often left with the thought of should I leave this relationship entirely, just deal or try to figure it out. I love my partner so, so much, but I'm not sure if I'll end up resentful of him and his family later on. Anyway, how should I deal with family boundaries and their influence on my relationship? Any help is awesome. I know. Thank you so much for writing family boundaries. This is a wholly unique question that we've never answered.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm also watching the show Kevin Can Fuck Himself, mm-hmm. which is, like, about, like, a sitcom family, but, like, the the dark side of the sitcom family, where it's, like, her husband is this, like, hilarious man, right. but then, like, she's deeply unhappy because all of his, like, family's around all the time.
0: Starring Annie Murphy, that's the yes, last name, yeah. and from Shit's so, like, Creek.
1: Yes, and that's, so, like, reading this letter, I was, like, picturing in my head, like, you as Annie Murphy, like, just, like, so fed up with your partner's family.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like uh, so I have seen this play out in real life um, Mm. in in loved ones of mine. And this is really tricky. I do want to make so I want to make space for the fact that you said you have an avoidant that you're slightly vo- avoidant, you're very anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make space for that. And I also want to like, or call out that and ca- or call in mm-hmm. to the space. <laughs> and also call in the fact that you say you love, love, love your partner.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that you're happy. Right. That right. you didn't
0: say, I am... Um...
1: Miserable, Yeah, right? Like yeah, you said, you like love him very much yes. and are super happy with him.
0: Yes. So I'm going to talk as though you're going to move forward with this mm-hmm. because in the long run... I would hate for you to leave a happy, healthy relationship because you're afraid of something that could happen,
1: right? Right. One
0: day, right? Um, and I want—I don't want anxiety to take that from you. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, obviously relationships are nuanced and complicated, and I don't know for what's sure. going on in your relationship other than that. Um, so I'm going to give you—I'm going to talk about strategies about moving forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is really. The, the way to go. Like there's nothing right. in your letter that's like, oh, you're completely incompatible. But I do think that there are things that need to coalesce together. Yes. Right. That that are going to help you make this a relationship that's going to work really well for both of you. Yes. Uh, because I don't think I think you're right to sort of fear intervention in this. Like and I think that you're not making this up. Right. Like this is yeah. all really happening. So what are some strategies that you can do to help establish some boundaries with your in laws, yes. in ways that are going to help support you and your partner.
0: Yes, so as I was saying before, um, I've seen this sort of story or life experience play out post-marriage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is what you say it could be, right. right? When those boundaries go unchecked, when we have different, um, when when we have different family styles, that can be really challenging. Yeah. Um, and the biggest. Takeaway that I can, the biggest lesson I can like absorb from watching that play out um, in in other people is. Sam and I always say that like no one can uphold your boundaries except you, right? But in this case, <laughs> but in this case, yeah. your partner must, and I say must, become an advocate mm. for your shared boundaries as a couple.
1: Yeah, no that's real. Ha- I love that this is the exception to that rule. It's like, well, it's true. You have to uphold your boundaries except for in this instance.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like and, and particularly in this instance, there's like so many dynamics at play. Like of course you want to be nice to the in-laws, oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like you don't want to you don't want to take their baby away from them. You want to be kind um and 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 also like another reason why your partner has to be an advocate for these boundaries is that if you Uphold them alone, and they are silent. It immediately paints you in a picture, it paints sure. a picture of you, yep. and immediately makes it a you versus them thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not that; it's not a versus thing in the first place. Yep. But it is a your boundaries as a family, as a couple, right? And how they interact with the family, um, and how this can happen. Honestly, I have no lived experience in this, but no, that's not true actually, because um because of what my wife has seen unfold like in couples that we know she uh, has been really amazing at making sure that her boundaries with her family are not my boundaries mm. right that they're mm-hmm. different that they just because again don't do everything together just because <laughs> right. just because um you're a couple cuz just because you're a you know a unit doesn't mean that and, and may even even in marriage if you marry into that family and that family becomes your family mm-hmm. that does not mean that your partner's boundaries are your boundaries and right. they need to be the point person i really believe so Oh
1: absolutely i think that you need to you need to engage your partner in this work yes. and he needs to be able to see some of the boundaries that you are wanting to put up and at the same time you also need to see that his family is an important part of his life right too And they
0: have a different relationship to reality than you do
1: absolutely yeah and it might be important for him to engage his family in decisions about the wedding or right. in decisions about how you raise your kids and that's not a bad thing right but you need to talk to him about what your collective level of comfort is about the how much they're engaging right. in those decision making right right because like It might be that you're completely incompatible. It might be that he's like, nope, I kind of want them to be involved in everything. And you're like, absolutely not. I don't want them involved in anything, right? But I think that if you can have a conversation with him about this specifically, you can find a place where you both might not be super perfectly happy, (laughs) but where you can both sort of have a level of comfort that makes you both able to continue this relationship that seems so wonderful and healthy in so many different ways besides this part.
0: That what you just described is like what we were talking about during the check-in topic of like real relationships. Mm-hmm. Real relationships are not one hundred percent comfortable right. and happy all the time. That right. is impossible.
1: It is for sure. Yeah, and that should not be that should not be our expectation of ourselves or our partners. Right. right? what
0: is our what is the what is the threshold of our comfortability, mm-hmm. and what can best support us during the times in which we are uncomfortable or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. Um. So obviously you need to have a conversation with your partner. And this is this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and you don't have to say like your family is ruining ruining everything. <laughs> you know, you can say like this has been wearing on me. I love your family, but I'm anxious about this. Like, how can we best navigate this together? Are you comfortable setting boundaries with your parents? Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, here another thing I wanted to say was. Um, when you get married or when you decide to commit that life together in whatever form that looks like, that your, you become the family. Like right. you and your partner are now your family, right? right? And they are an, ex, an a part of your extension uh, or extension of your family. Yep. But like if you go on to have children or to build a life together or make choices for your life, it is – you you are making those choices um, to protect and honor your family, mm-hmm. um, and you can think of it that way. You truly can, and I think I think um, child like having children cl- makes that click for people. But obviously, sure. this applies for people who don't have children. Um, it becomes your world. It, I, I mean your your kingdom to grow and to protect as you see fit.
1: Absolutely,
0: and um, you can start thinking of it that way. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think you can think of it that way now, too, even before mm-hmm. you get married, right? Like, you don't need a ring on a finger to have a family unit, right? <laughs> and I think um, I think what's going to serve you best is to really approach those conversations with curiosity with him, right? Mm-hmm. To say, okay, so, you know, we've been talking about getting married. How do you see your family being involved in the decision-making around the wedding? Yeah. Right. How do you see them involved when we have kids? And then say, okay, well, this is where I would like for us to be, right? Yeah. Like this is the level of decision-making that I would like them to have. Can we find a place of, of compromise? Can we find a place of agreement? And then make sure that you're both on the same page so that you can present a united front to yes. the family, right? Yes. So that you can both... Exactly what Sierra said, uphold your collective boundaries as a unit and not just what your boundaries are and what his boundaries are being misaligned or mismatched.
0: Yeah. And the the phrase that just popped into my mind hearing you talk— was um, it's not just about the individual decisions about wedding planning and kids and stuff, but this relationship is your sacred thing, you Mm. know, and that it should be treated as such, you know, Um, and that your partner and you, even though you might want to avoid this, even though it's uncomfortable, you have a right to create that little sanctuary for yourself. Absolutely. In terms of like moms making petty jokes, like sometimes we can't, no, no. Always, we cannot control other people, yep. and 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 in law, mom obviously has some insecurities about losing her baby mm-hmm. to um, another person. You know what I mean? Sure. Like yep. that is just part of her lived experience. And sometimes we have to say like, ha ha
1: ha. Right. <laughs> just got to be cheerful and stupid. Yes, sometimes. exactly,
0: exactly. Um, but I think moving forward, just having these conversation, I, I guess the biggest parting advice is that like, this is not impossible. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's worth it, right? Yeah, It's worth it to like move into a different discomfort to see what comes of it. Um, And then you can build your little kingdom as you see fit day by day.
1: Absolutely. And this sounds like a relationship worth fighting for, (laughs) right? So (laughs) I think that this is I think that this is a good conversation for you to have because it might also build up some practice in, in how you continue to have these conversations so that you can allow it to grow in the way that you want it to. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. Family boundaries. I know this is a thousand times more complicated and tricky than what we just said. <laughs> absolutely. So I just want to like nod <laughs> and wink at that. Um, and I also want to really quickly say, I have no idea what you're partner's skills are when it comes to conflict and boundary setting. So that's a whole other hurdle. Um, But I could suggest this really great podcast, Just Break Up, for him to listen to.
1: (laughs) Just Um, send him this episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that this is possible. You deserve it. You both deserve it. Um, And it sounds like you got a good thing going for you. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you for writing.
1: Thank you so much. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Helen Highwater who's writing from London. Dear Sam and Sierra, first of all, I want to make it very clear that I know my question and the points I bring forward in this letter make me an utterly selfish and horrible person, but honestly, I don't know what else to do other than explain myself to two strangers across the ocean.
0: First of all, not a bad person. Mm -hmm. Not a, like literally, not even like, like I don't know what you're referencing.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, we both read this letter and we're like, nothing about this seems selfish or horrible, so.
0: Yeah, so... Stop that. (laughs) We disagree. Yeah.
1: All right. So here it goes. I am anxious about the world reopening and normal life resuming. I'm not anxious for any health reasons. A few of my family members have passed from COVID and I've seen what it does to people. So I understand how devastating this period has been. But my anxiety comes from knowing that my loneliness is about to hit high levels again. Mm. Since everything locked down and nobody was really allowed to see each other, my loneliness and lack of a love life was gently nudged away because I didn't have to think about it. Nobody was allowed to see each other, so I didn't need to think about why I was so bad at getting past the stri- the talking stage or why I could hardly get a second date or why I could never maintain a relationship. Pre-COVID, I used to be plagued by thoughts of how alone I felt. I even went to therapy to try and help. Then, like I said, COVID hit, and I could fool myself into thinking that it was all somewhat out of my control. I no longer need to obsess over how I could improve my personality or make myself more lovable or desirable because the government and COVID kind of took care of it for me by shutting down the whole country. Again, I know this makes you a horrible person, but I was kind of comforted by the thought that Even though I was lonely, it was okay because so was everybody else.
0: Mm.
1: Places and opportunities are reopening now. People are able to meet more freely and I honestly, instead of feeling like I have some semblance of freedom back, I feel like I'm unraveling. The lack of feeling wanted or desired or even the lack of stupid flirty texts is back down to me to take care of or at least think about every day. To make matters even worse, I was recently made redundant, so I thought I would treat myself to a cheap play at a small community theater. I got to the venue, took my seat, and there in the corner was a man who I had some sexual relations with for some time, sorry to sound like Clinton, but who ended up ghosting me. He was there on a date with someone he met a few months back, something he refused to do with me as he didn't see me as the kind of girl you take on a date. Mm. I would like to make clear that I didn't feel anything towards him, that they genuinely looked beautiful together. But I just kept focusing on them holding hands and slowly my brain started to think about all the couples in the vicinity. I know I should focus on friends, family, and finding a new job, and hand to God, I'm doing all of that, but I can't help thinking about the last time someone held my hand, or somebody wanted to make me happy, or take care of me, or even had a crush on me. It's been so long. How do I step back into a world that's full of reconnecting when I so desperately want a connection but find it so difficult to hold on to one? How do I move back into having to claim responsibility for the for being this single when I know how much pain and self doubt comes with it? Thank you both for even reading this letter and thank you for the kindness you have shown to the wonderful JBU community.
0: Oh, Helen, thank you so much for writing. I. Helen, I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you deeply and genuinely. I love your worrying and full c- heart. I love your compassion. I love that you saw beauty in that couple at the theater, and I love, I love all of the parts of you that you don't love. I love your anxiety and your fear. Um, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love every word you wrote i hate that you're experiencing this fear um but i i'm in awe of your vulnerability i'm in awe of the bravery that it took to even feel these things and then write them down absolutely um i love you mm-hmm. <laughs> i love you seriously um and i guess i also want to say like you beat yourself up at the f- in the first line of this letter mm mm-hmm. But of course it comforted you.
1: Absolutely. Of
0: course it comforted you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think about like, oh my God, here we go.
1: <laughs> the waterworks people, here they come. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so recently I saw somebody who I knew they like, what I'm trying to say is, Helen, like, you, if you're a bad person, so am I. Because I recently saw mm-hmm. somebody who I knew was trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. and they told me that they weren't. And I thought, oh, thank God. Right. Mm. Even somebody who I love and who I would be so happy for if they were pregnant. And also like people out there trying to conceive um, who have felt this sort of weird jealousy that like makes you feel like a dirty, terrible person. I feel you. I'm sorry. Um, It's weird. I never thought I would feel something like this. But Helen, like, of course, we feel comforted when we feel less alone. Mm. Of course, mm-hmm. that is the foundation of humanity, Absolutely. right, is, yep. is, is a de- desire to feel less alone. And when you felt comforted that other people were alone too, what a beautiful human you were. Like, mm-hmm. way to find the, the community there, right? Way, right? way to Way to, I don't know, it just makes sense. I feel like it's so easy for us to... To, to think the worst of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, to think that I'm a terrible person for being relieved that I don't have to deal with a pregnancy announcement, mm-hmm. you know. But of course, of course, I'm relieved. Of course, it is easier,
1: right? isn't it?
0: Nice when things are easier. For sure. When things were hard and now they're easier, like that's that's what happened there, Helen. And now it's going to get harder again, mm-hmm. but that's okay.
1: Yeah, and I don't know who told you that your feelings were selfishness, but that person was lying to you, right? You having feelings of loneliness, you having feelings of relief, you having feelings of pain are not selfish in any way. You're not a horrible person for feeling things, right? Right. And I think we just like so many of us tell ourselves over and over again that the feelings that we have somehow make us a selfish person, Right. And and none of that is true. None of that is real. It is. We are human. We have emotions. We are beautiful in the fact that we can feel emotions. The fact that like the fact that we as a species have evolved to feel such a complicated emotion as loneliness or a complication or a complicated emotion as sadness over this pandemic and relief for the the peace it has brought us at the same time is amazing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And, and I just want to make it clear to you that the fact that you're feeling these things does not make you a selfish person. It makes you a human. It makes you somebody who is worth loving, who is, who is somebody that I have a lot of respect for and a lot of love for, because that's what it means to be human is to have complicated emotions and have them feel like they are at the expense of others sometimes. right? But it's just, it is what it means to be human and it's beautiful. So I want you to take that part of you that keeps telling yourself that feeling this way somehow makes you a bad person. And I want you to say to that, that part of you, I know that that is not true. I know that that is not true.
0: Right. Totally. And Helen, I want to ask you, what would your, how would you treat yourself? How would you talk about yourself if you deleted the shoulds from mm-hmm. your um, from your internal repertoire, like I should be with someone, I shouldn't feel this way. I know I should work on this more. I shouldn't. Fe- I shouldn't um, want this. I should be grateful. All of this, sure, right. Sure. Right. <laughs> right? It's not enough that we have a cult of couplehood, you know, that, that our oh, society sure. presents this cult of romance that that is the that is the ideal. And if you are not that you are broken. Right. Like that's crazy. No, absolutely. <laughs> On top of that, we there are so many shoulds like I feel so much. I wonder what you would feel like in your heart if you stopped feeling like you weren't enough, mm. if you stopped feeling like you needed to fix X, Y and Z about you. And I and Sam and I say this a lot. and We're really trying to do this, not to like. Be po- so positive, like and and toxic in that positivity. Um, to And I don't want to in that I don't want to make you feel like this isn't hard. This is so hard. It's so
1: hard. Right. Absolutely. And.
0: And Sam and I are sitting here with you saying, I'm so sorry you're experiencing this. This sounds like so much to carry. Mm -hmm. And we're also saying, without a doubt, you are lovable. Mm -hmm. I know that. I know that in my core. I just got chills. Mm -hmm. I just got chills. I know that you are a holy and undeniably lovable person. Absolutely. And that does not. That does not fix this problem. That's the fucking truth of it.
1: Absolutely. That's real.
0: Our lovability and our inherent worthiness doesn't fix loneliness. Yeah. But it is something to warm us. And it is something to build ourselves up uh, upon as a foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I offer you that. I offer you myself as a witness to your worthiness. I offer myself as a witness to your pain, Mm -hmm. right? How much do we just need our pain to be seen and validated by somebody else? For
1: sure. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're like me, Helen, but I sometimes get into this trap when where I think that I'm the most fucked up person right? And that everyone else around me is handling things so much better that I am like uniquely ill-equipped for this life, <laughs> right? Like that I, that I am the only one who seems to be struggling in this. And I want to say to you that that is also not true. And I have to say this to myself all the time, right? Like when I look around at people who are coming out of quarantine and are able to just sort of like be social and be around people like the story i tell myself over and over again is like oh i'm oh, i'm struggling with this so much more than everyone else is like i'm so i'm have such a deficit in me that i can't figure out how to just snap mm. back into this world right and that's not true i it feels so true <laughs> like it feels so true and yet i know that it's not and so i want to say that to you too helen like you are not ill-equipped to handle this transition in right. ways that other people are equipped, right. right? You, This is hard. This is really, really challenging. This transition from where we've been to where we're going is going to be a big one for all of us. And you are just as equipped to be able to handle it as everyone else around you right which is to say like poorly equipped right because we're all poorly equipped right (laughs) but at the same time like you have it in you to figure out what comes next because you have made it here to this to this moment you've made it like even though you were sad even though you were lonely like you found ways to continue to move forward and you're gonna do that again you are gonna figure out how to do it and you are not uniquely messed up you are not so deficient that you're never gonna figure out how to make it happen. You're just gonna do it because that's all we can do as people is just continue to find ways to figure out how to make it work, Yeah, and how
0: do we make it through hard things?
1: Just by doing it. (laughs) That's all that we can do.
0: One day at a time.
1: Absolutely. One
0: uncomfortable, painful, lonely day at a time. And that is not to say those days aren't hard or painful. They are, but sometimes- Sometimes they get easier. Mm-hmm. Always they change. Yes. Always. Yes. That is yep. going to be the constant in this transition, right? Like, I know that things get harder and easier and they ebb and flow, but they. We are so resilient mm-hmm. and that resiliency is founded in our ability to change, right? Yeah. And so what does tomorrow look like? It's going to be different for you, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to say that you're going to wake up tomorrow, like married with 17 kids, <laughs> right? Right, But I'm saying tomorrow is a new day. It's a scary day. It's a scary day to be a human, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it together. And and we believe in you. We we don't believe in you in like a go team, go ki- go kiddo. Yeah, right. Like get it, buddy. Right. Um, but I believe in you inherently mm-hmm. as a human because yep. I see your humanness reflected back to me.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And I I see so many parts of myself in you. Yes. That that I can't help but feel camaraderie towards you, and I can't help but feel a connection because you seem like such a wonderful, beautiful person, and and I want you to feel the love that, that Sierra and I are sending to you all the way into England. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Across the pond, as yes. they say.
0: yeah. Um, Helen, on good days, you're beautiful. On bad days, you're beautiful. You are ever-changing, ever-becoming. And we're honored to talk you through this small chapter of your life.
1: mm mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: We hope that this helps.
1: We love you so much. All right, everyone. So this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... Time out. This
0: means we have given 150 things that we like. Whoa. I don't think I like that many things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because like the blind dates are the most challenging part of this entire podcast for us. Yeah. So the fact that we've done that 150 times yeah, is... Yeah. Remarkable.
0: It's not hard because we genuinely love everything we suggest, but like. We are just not that active of humans, yeah. you know. Like, uh, it's hard to consume so much stuff, and like you know, in the yeah. beginning it was easy for like the first two weeks. Yeah,
1: for sure. We were like, oh, this book that I read six years ago, yeah. but now it's like, okay, now I have to read a book every week in order to like. Speaking of, <laughs> oh great, perfect.
0: Okay, so my blind date for today is the book "How the World Passed: A Journey Across the Country That Black America Built" by Clint Smith. So this book came out in May of 2021. It's on the New York bestseller list. It's a nonfiction book. Um, It's an intergenerational story of how slavery has been central in shaping America's collective history. And Mm. here's the fun trivia. Clint Smith um, is a poet. And in 2016, he published a poetry book through the publishing company Write Bloody, which was the first Poetry company right. that ever published my books in two thousand nine and oh, 2011. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh, Clint and I are right bloody um, in in the right bloody family together. Um, he's a fantastic poet, obviously an amazing uh, nonfiction writer, um, hitting that New York Times bestseller list. That's um, awesome. So I'm so honored to suggest it to all of you. Again, it is How the World Passed by Clint Smith.
1: Awesome. I can't wait to read that.
0: Me too. I'll take this moment to share how much we genuinely mean it when we say we love you. Um, How much, um, how in awe we are of the community that we've built, um, the work that you guys do in your personal lives and on the fucking Facebook group. You guys are so (laughs) cute. I can't even handle it. But also like not cute, like devastatingly real Mm. and honest. And um And I also sentimentally have to say I get to work with my two best friends in the world and we somehow have an amazing working relationship (laughs) to make a product and a podcast that I'm deeply proud of. So thanks, Sam. And thanks, Spencer. I love you so much. Um, Yeah, I love you too. Yeah. Anything you want to say?
1: No, I would just say that you said it beautifully. And I'm so appreciative of all of you who are here, um, Bought tickets from us. Our Patreon supporters participate in the work. It's just, it's unreal to be.
0: Unreal is part the word of this
1: community, um, and to see you all coming around us and each other in such meaningful ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that that would be a really beautiful place to end it, <laughs> but I'm going to keep talking per usual. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> I was going to jump into the outro, but let's no, go I for want it. you to.
0: I just like you said that, and it, um, you know. What is also amazing, y'all, is that we've done this for three years, mm. three million downloads. Um, but it has also been like some of the most transformative, difficult. Yeah, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you start talking. Yeah. Difficult years of our lives.
1: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's been, it's been so strange to be going through such a transformational change, I think, in both of our lives. Yes. Right? Um, And be part of this community where you all look to us to know what we're talking about, right? Like, it's profoundly humbling to think, like, I have learned so much in the past three years about life and about myself and about relationships. And that learning seems to be connecting with folks in such a profound way. And that learning is, like, reflected back to us too right like the ways in which you all speak to us is so profound like you're so supportive of us and you're so like we really like
0: supported us through some crazy shit
1: absolutely and it's just i um am in awe of the fact that i'm in awe of the the human connection that exists in this world and the fact that like it's coming together in such a profound beautiful way and like I do this podcast, honestly, with the selfish intent to change the world, <laughs> right? Like, I do this because I just think that if we can all come together and talk about these things and change the ways that we interact with other people and change the ways that we are in relationship with each other, it's going to create a world that is so much better than the one that we currently have. And the fact that you all are participating in that just gives me so much hope and faith that... We can do something different than the shit that we're currently in. And I am so appreciative of all of you for, for wanting to be there with us and to to also supporting us and guiding us in so many different ways, too. Like, it's just amazing and remarkable that this is happening.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You ready?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find some sweet merchandise. Some of it is still discounted. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as free tickets to any live stream yes. shows that we do. That's patreon.com slash justbrickuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more broken-hearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, editing, producing managing live show setup, champagne, buying <laughs> everything <laughs> by our amazing friend, Spencer Worth Davis. If you all were in the room with us, I would make you give a, him a rousing round of applause. Absolutely. Everything we do is because of his love and labor and support. Um, please check out his music because it's actually really fucking good. Super good. On Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember... This heartache, this mistake, this current joy, this struggle is just a small part of your story. It is a drop in the ocean of who you are and who you are becoming. You may believe that you are made of doubt or of mistakes or of shame, but again, that is just one part of you. If that is there, then there is joy and hope also. You contain the expansiveness of the universe and even love was made for you. And if all else fails,
1: just break up.